Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Welcome to The Greatest Generation, a Star Trek podcast by two guys who are a little bit embarrassed to have a Star Trek podcast. I'm your host, Benjamin R. Harrison. I'm your other host, Adam Pranica. Welcome to the show, Adam. Thanks, Ben. This is an episode that I kind of feel like killing some time to uh, not have to uh, get into it super quickly. How do you feel about opening some, some trading cards? Let's do it. The game is a five-card stud. The game is exceedingly simple. Part of this is just the card there. Time to pluck a pigeon. Well, just for the ASMR crowd, I'm going to uh, do this right up against the mic so that they can hear all the little crinkles. Oh, uh, yeah. Once again, these are the... Uh, Star Trek The Next Generation Portfolio Prince Trading Card Season 1. Someone accused me of spending $100 for a box of these, Ben. Uh, they couldn't oh, really? be more wrong. <laughs> um, you think I'd spend $100 on this? You don't have $100. I don't. That's yeah, right. You, cer- you certainly didn't at the time that you bought them because we didn't have any network affiliation yet and we didn't have any way to accept donations. It's true. By the way, somebody, I don't remember if it was what uh, social network it was on, but somebody was like, why don't you guys have a Patreon? And uh, Thanks for outing a, yourself as a as someone who turns off the pod before the very end. Yeah, so, so we're on MaximumFun.org, which is a largely listener-supported network. In our case, it's, of course, viewer-supported. But uh, that is the closest thing we have to Patreon and it's probably better for us than Patreon because it's not just a shaking down our listeners for cash system it's a they support us and we get to you know uh, learn from people that really know what they're doing system and uh, we get to put out a t-shirt via MaximumFun.org uh, and it's the same deal. Like you, you sign up, you support at a monthly donation uh, level, and uh, every every donation is hugely appreciated, and uh, and it's better than Patreon, at least for us. Well so I put. Will, I will. I'm not trying to scold anybody. I'm just saying uh, we don't have that because we have this, and we think that this is better. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right, I agree. It's I think it's uh, easier. My first uh, card is the Arsenal of Freedom, Adam, and uh, you remember those Dildonic robots that they kept having to shoot out of the sky, right? Sure do. Well, the illustration of the robot that uh, it's like hovering next to Riker's head in the in this uh, in this trading card. Cements eternally the idea that those <laughs> robots were dildos. <laughs> That's great. I like that they yeah. leaned into that. Mm-hmm. Let's see. I have one for Contagion, which I think is the one where Chaotic Bro spotted the poopy on the uh, Klingon ship. Yeah. Oh shit, Adam. This is a big one. Oh no. 
This is a big card. I have a signed card for Perrin, Sarek's wife, who we just talked about on the last episode. Oh! Congratulations. This limited edition card has been personally signed by Joanna Miles as Perrin in Sarek. <laughs> that is fantastic. Yeah. Wow, and well timed too. Yeah, man, we should have uh, we should have opened cards on the last episode. Jeez. Then it would have been ridiculous. That's pretty awesome, dude. Congratulations. So you have how many signed cards do you have at this point? I have Baxter and I have Perrin. That's a hell of a combo, man. Yeah. I also have a card here for the Drumhead, which is that uh, that one where like Picard gets uh, gets real lawyery defending a half Romulan crewmate. Mm-hmm. It's a good episode. Yeah. And I've got one for an episode called Rightful Air. Uh, did we watch this one? I don't know. No, this is the one where they like find Kales, the god of the of the Klingons or whatever. Right, right, right. Or I don't remember exactly how it goes, but that's what that's for. Oh man, sounds like you got some good ones. This is a solid. This is a solid pack. Yeah, good pack job by you. Yeah. How about yourself? What'd you get? I got the last outpost, which was the Anybody Canyon episode. Yeah. This, that pack, uh, by the way, is only going so far to make me not dread what we have in front of us. <laughs> See, I want to just get through this real fast. I can't wait to talk about this episode. All right, so we got The Last Outpost. We got When the Bow Breaks, which was... Uh, they decided not to put the dolphin polishing scene on the card. Instead, it's just a picture <laughs> of, of the boy and, uh, and his uniform racing stripes. Uh, we have the measure of a man, Devil's Due, which is the uh, the silhouette of a woman and the devil, sort of stenciled onto her uh, in the yeah. in the in the groin region. I got this card. This is the one where the lady like convinces the planet that she's Satan. Yeah, I like that episode. Yeah, interesting place to put the devil too. <laughs> and then I got Time Zero Part 2, the sequel to the original Did you mean hit. misogynistic place to put the devil? <laughs> yes. Yes, that is what I mean exactly. Yeah. And then finally, uh, the sequel to the original Time Zero, Time Zero Part 2, uh, with, a, with a picture of Guinan and a flat-brimmed hat and also a flat-brimmed clock hovering just above it. With that bit oh. of business done, Ben... Oh. It's time to get your shots. No one likes going to the doctor, but you've got to do it. It's season three, episode 24, Menage a Trois. Let's rip off this Band-Aid, Adam. Let's do it. The Enterprise is at Beta Z. It's a real lovely looking planet from orbit, isn't it? Yeah, it's a regular-looking planet. It's no dry and dusty planet Vulcan. It's no uh, swirling fart atmosphere planet. This is like a a blue planet with uh, lovely-looking continents. Looks real and, verdant. Uh, yeah. And uh, Picard is uh, voiceovering to explain that there's been a big trade conference and the Ferengi got to come this year and there's like a, 
uh, a shindig aboard the Enterprise for the last night of the conference. It's like the outgoing party, and uh, the Ferengi got to come aboard for that too, despite his misgivings. This party on ten forward is kind of jamming, right? Yeah, they've got a they've got kind of an upright marimba player. Uh, And he's playing an iPhone ringtone sounding song over and over again. They tried to get some Ewoks with Stormtrooper helmets to play this. Yeah. They, uh, they're, uh, you know, they're on tour and the fee that they would have needed to pay was just like really exorbitant. Yeah. So they, they got this guy instead. Every once in a while you get a real alien looking alien on this show and he's one of them. Yeah. Uh, you also have in this scene uh, one of the fishmen from uh, yeah. the uh, dog versus fish episode mm-hmm. hanging out in the background. But the basic action is this. Troy and her mom are hanging out, and Picard is hanging out with the like political leader of Beta Z, and there are some Ferengi chilling at the bar, and they're like, there's one of them that is like, ready to mac on Luaxana Troy. He's totally sprung off Luaxana Troy. And what you know that he's into at this point is uh is some boob because Luaxana once again is uh is leaving not much to the imagination. She's sitting at a table eating three wedge salads at once <laughs> and uh and letting them out. She's she's looking frisky and ready to party. She's got no body shame, you know? Like, she's uh, she's very liberated in that way. All she wants to do is go to a naked wedding, you know? It's true, yeah. I feel like I, feel like I don't like the way I look to the extent that a naked wedding would be a hard thing for me to, to get myself ready for. Yeah, but. and this is clearly, like, my hang-up also. This is not a Waxana shaming uh, comment or commentary mm-hmm. that I'm trying no, to deliver. I- it is very clearly a... Man, I wish I was more like her. In this yeah. way, maybe only. For sure. By the way, I'm drinking a large glass of tequila to get me through this episode, Adam. Oh man, like a pint glass? Um, is that just like a like a double rocks glass filled more than halfway up? Do I detect some ice in there? Yeah, I got a couple of uh, large, perfectly clear ice cubes that I made. So this this Ferengi Damon Damon Tog walks up to Waxana to try and holler at her. And his, his logic is this. Like, I'm, I'm a powerful man. I've got a starship. I got a bunch of sniveling Ferengis working for me. This is a statuesque woman. She's got a lot of boobs showing, and she can read minds. Can you yeah. imagine putting somebody like me and somebody like her at the head of an enterprise? Like, we, we would be unstoppable. They'd be great like, tag team partners. They'd be like Macho Man Randy Savage and Miss Elizabeth. Will you marry me? Oh, yeah. They'd conquer the galaxy together. He's got right. big dreams. So what Damon Tog does not consider is that Waxana is not a participant in the patriarchy the way he is and he cannot conceive of a woman who's going to have like her own agenda that doesn't collapse under his yeah whenever his masculinity is at risk so he keeps coming up and like trying to kick it to her Troy. 
I desire you. What? And she's like, later for that, and walking away. <laughs> and he's like, he just can't even wrap his head around it. He isn't even insulted as much as he's confused. Like, right. why isn't this working? Right. And his and his advances are, are not like, hey, hey, baby, I think you're, you look cute in that dress. They're like, you will come and have sex with me on my spaceship now. He is a... <laughs> He's a colonel in the seduction community. Like, like he and Jordy are are bout about it, aren't they? He's a colonel and a turd, Adam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and good thing it doesn't work. Yeah, we should also say that uh, his wingman in this scene is uh, played by Neelix. Yeah, yeah. Which the voice is the thing that tipped me off. He's got a very, <laughs> very identifiable voice. Yeah. A little surprising that they didn't choose to put them in like peacock feather hats and like have them do some cheap card trick to try and try and uh, get a conversation started with uh God, with Waxana. The guy who plays Neelix after the after his shoot day is over is like, Man, really glad I got the work, but could you imagine working on a series where you had to wear a full like headdress makeup thing? Prosthetic. <laughs> Boy, would that suck. Not doing that. It's like talking to Michael Dorn. He's like, so you have to do this every single shoot day? God, bummer. That sucks. I would never do that, no matter how desperate. (laughs) My career's going in different places, bub. Yeah, good luck with this Star Trek show or whatever. I've got bigger (laughs) plans. Like making a fucking Star Trek cookbook in 10 years. (laughs) so picard is gonna go do some science they're gonna do some science on a nebula and it's like it's it's routine biz for the enterprise so it's not heavy lifting and he talks Riker and troy and uh, a few other, you know, randoms into taking some shore leave. Like the, they, uh, they're just going to go do this science without them. Uh, it feels like Riker's earned it, and so also feels we, like Picard's play is to get is to guarantee Loxana leaves the ship. Like, right. Look, if if Troy and Riker are down on the surface, of course Loxana's going to go with. Yeah. Sort so of a little uh, bit of a hedge. Yeah, I mean that's. That's like a a real trump card that he might not even need to play, you know? Yeah. Like, I I feel like he's winning this hand, but he he doesn't want to leave anything to uncertainty. Yeah. (laughs) The Enterprise heads off to do its science project, and Riker and Troy go on a date on the surface of Beta Zed. And this is a, a rare, like, actual exterior where they shot probably in, like, some botanical garden in L.A., and Riker and Troy are on like a totally sexy day date where they're like walking around in the garden. They look in some flowers. They're doing a little smooching. <laughs> if you were to make an action figure based on Riker in this scene, it is so Harlequin novel Riker. Like, yeah, he has got a big poofy shirt. He's got Nicki Minaj pants. <laughs> like he's got the whole thing going on. He's doing a little hand-holding with Troy. They're smelling some flowers. Feels good. Yeah. Feels like they're, they may be rekindling something. They 
may have done have, had not Mr. Hom and Luoxana showed up with a picnic. And it's, uh, it's a weird scene where Troy's like, how'd you guys know? And I wonder how an, any Betazoid could ever <laughs> ask that of another Betazoid. <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. Major fail in the script on that on that line. This is on the heels of Luoxana really giving Troy the business about not settling down to. And this entire picnic blanket scene is just more Luoxana wanting to squish Riker and Troy together. Like, get them, get them fires going again. Well, Mr. Holm and I could go back home if you two would like to be alone. It's a... Uh... Such a romantic setting. Mother, stop it. Yeah, she's totally playing the, like, domineering mother that's obsessed with marrying off her daughter, which is, I think, a character that can be depicted, but doesn't make any fucking sense in the context of this show or especially, like, the opening scene of the episode where it's about her being, like, a totally independent woman. Sure. Like... She's she wants independence for herself, but she wants her daughter to be totally supplicated to this like powerful and successful man. Like it doesn't it doesn't square. It's a it's it's bad writing, man. Yeah. Yeah, it's not great. It's not great. They start digging into this uh this betazoid food and uh I think the idea is Luxana like wants to give Riker something that uh that has like sex vitamins in it weird this this, like why is she giving him food to eat so she's like hey uh check out check out this piece of lettuce it's got these weird (laughs) veins in it ben i thought this scene was so weird it compelled me to do a little research oh yeah and what i found was that originally this piece of produce that loaxana was supposed to give Riker was like a dick like oh really it was dick shaped which is why <laughs> they kept the dialogue about it being veiny in it oh. because you remember it was a piece of lettuce and she's like yeah it's got these veins that have uh, that have these juices in it oh. but originally it was a dung like like a like a dildonic veg <laughs> what James? can you believe that didn't fly <laughs> Riker was like I would never bite into, but I would <laughs> lovingly lick on. Yeah, yeah. I would just kind of uh, smack against my cheek. <laughs> yeah, provided fucking an weird. excessive amount of consent was provided by the vegetable in, in question. So for our sensitive uh, American audience, we get a piece of, like, rainbow shard. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I don't think he likes it. Try the Ascoid. Very different. Well, I guess uh, to go with what was supposed to be a dick, Luoxana gets the idea that some berries might be fun to eat as well. So she gets like a... She, she gets like a beach bucket and gives it to Mr. Hom and says, like, go off and pick some berries, bro. And uh, he heads off and just then Damon Tog beams down with a bouquet of flowers and... Uh, hands it to her and Riker's like the one thing that works all the time is getting shot down and then showing up unannounced at a family gathering like that is that's a sure thing (laughs) I feel like Mr. Hom if he wanted to could just rip the ears from his head yeah and like throw them into that lake Mr. Hom is like three times as tall as this guy right yeah 
Yeah, Mr. Hom could be three Ferengis inside a trench coat. <laughs> we swear we're grown-ups. <laughs> yep. Uh, so yeah, in Mr. Hom's absence, the Daemon manages to abduct Troy, Riker, and Loaxana <laughs> up to his ship, and they are in the Kraton's version of the brig. And uh, it's kind of a weirdly configured room where they're sort of they're in a little cell that's off to the side, but the there's some there's some like computers and stuff, and there's a 3D chess set in there. I guess Riker's already like kind of dusted the floor with one of these Ferengi, so there's some some brinksmanship with the with the chess that comes into play with this episode. But yeah, they're they're locked up, and Riker is you know trying to figure out what to do with this situation when one of the Ferengis notices that they're awake, radios up to Damon Tog, and Damon Tog like hits a button. And Loxana and and Deanna Troy are beamed out of their dresses and into Tog's quarters. So they they materialize nude. And there's actually, like, maybe the only good part of this episode, (laughs) uh, spoiler alert, is the special effect when they beam out of their dresses because, like, their dresses are left empty in midair and, like, fall to the ground. And it's, like, perfectly pulled off. It's not, not an easy effect to do. And uh, and actually done pretty well. Not the first time a couple of dresses get thrown at Riker's feet either. <laughs> yeah. Well, Riker, Riker's whole philosophy is the sexiest clothes are the ones that are on the floor. It's true. But what really angers Riker is that they were beamed away without their consent. Yeah, this plays right into Riker's whole ethos as a as a coxman. Right. And Damon Tog's idea is that he's going to you know, press the issue and essentially force Loaxana into a relationship with him. And it's like, uh, you know, classic uh, guy who can't take no for an answer story. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's uh, basically all you can say about it, right? (laughs) Pretty much. I mean, and Loaxana sort of hatches a plan of her own, right? She's like, look, I really don't see a way out of this unless I can unless I capitulate somehow. Like, there's no going back. He's going to keep all of us. What if I can get him to get rid of you two in exchange for me? What right. is, What is that going to take? So Loxana starts flirting a little bit with Tog, makes it clear that, you know, maybe, maybe your idea isn't quite so far-fetched. Never at any point being sincere in these feelings. Yeah, and, and you know, her... The second she turns on her charm, he is putty in her hands. Yeah, yeah. So I guess say what you want about it, but his his guard gets dropped the second she expresses any interest in him. And uh, The moment she does, he hits a button and basically quagmires his quarters, like a bed rolls out, like the lights yeah. turn down, like the whole yeah. deal. You know, Marvin Gaye Records starts playing. Yeah. He uh, hands her a snifter of brandy. Yeah, he uh, gets real gross. It's a little, like, ladies' man type of vibe, you know. Tries to buy her a fish sandwich. <laughs> like anyone who just doesn't get the signs, he just launches right in. It is a great 
nipple. Meanwhile, on the Enterprise, there is a little bit of fun in games with the nebula, like they're doing some science. And I guess if uh, if we can call this a B storyline, there's some discussion of the fact that Wesley is going to be heading off to the Academy after this little science mission. Uh, I guess he did pretty good on his written exam, and he's got his oral exam, which uh, he's nervous about. I don't know why. I mean, he's obviously got lots of experience with oral. You know, every time every time Picard unzips the mask. <laughs> That's gross. <laughs> and there's, like, a scene where Jordi and Data are like, yeah, like, what's it going to be like? I mean, you might get stationed on another ship, or even if you do get stationed on this ship, none of us might even be here. You know, we might have all gotten transferred to other posts or whatever and wesley's realizing that life is never going to be the same once he goes into the academy and uh, he'd never really considered that fact like he's he's just thinking i'm gonna go i'm gonna run off to this academy and get my pip and then i'm heading back here i might use that pip you know and they're like it might not might not be how it how it plays out buddy like you might like, who knows? You might go off to the Academy and get in big trouble for covering up a major aeronautics disaster. <laughs> who knows? I mean, I'm just saying. That could yeah, happen. Just speculate, you know, like, blue sky here, but it could happen. Yeah, and this hits Wes like a bucket of cold water. He's like, you mean things change when I'm not present? That's weird. <laughs> yeah. Wesley Crusher, solipsist. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, and that is just the lightest B of B stories in this. We are yeah. very firmly entrenched in the Luxana story for most of the episode. So Riker works on this sub Ferengi who's playing chess and kind of like challenges him to a game of chess. They start playing and Riker's like, hey, listen, like I'm not really having fun playing you because I'm way over here on the other side of the room buying this force field. So I'm going to go chill out on this bed and uh, you can either finish the game by yourself or go fuck yourself. I don't really care. <laughs> and, uh, and like, you know, every, every setup, every setup that a character pulls on another character in this episode is like exquisitely predictable. Like you basically are never given a plant that pays off in a way that surprises you. And uh, wouldn't you know it, but Riker is using this chess game as a way to get under this guy's skin, get him to drop the force field, and then Riker can use his superior human strength to overpower him, steal his phaser, and start, like, fucking around on the computer. And so he does that. uh, He's working on the computer and... Ben, I really feel like this episode makes the Ferengi look so fucking dumb. Like It because, really does. Because you're right. Like Every setup is so transparent. Loxana's Troy's treatment of Tog is like completely, completely transparent. Like I feel like the Ferengi are as dumb as the Packlets. They're diet Packlet. And they're supposed to be these, like, cunning businessmen, right? Like, it doesn't make any fucking sense that they're so credulous. It seems like it's a miracle that they could even have starship technology. Yeah. 
like the, maybe this is like the 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 B team of Ferengis or something. Yeah. Like maybe this trade conference in a socialist utopia was not a big enough deal to send the the real heavy hitters from the Ferengi alliance. Yeah. So they sent Damon Tog and his group of lackeys, but that's like the only headcanon that makes this make any sense. Yeah. Kidnapping storylines have been done in every show for all time, and I think this is probably one of the worst executions of that. Luaxan is up there, like, rubbing her hands all over Damon Tug's ears. She's got him to a point where he's about to give up his command code so that they can get a carrier signal out to the Enterprise, and the... The Neelix guy runs in and is like, "You fucking idiot! You're, you almost, you almost just gave the whole ship up to this. You almost gave them the woman. recipe to the ship. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You almost gave them the eleven herbs and spices and the colonel's secret recipe chicken. <laughs> did you hear about that? Yeah, I did. Yeah, that's a that's super old news by the time this episode's coming up, but it's breaking right now as we're recording it. And this seems like grounds for uh, him losing his command. This other Ferengi's like, you have been an idiot with this woman the entire time. Like, I can't co-sign any of this. Yeah. Uh, what you need to do is give her to me so I can hook her up to some weird machine and study our mind works. Yeah, Maybe we may some... we may get value for this fucking stupid mission you've got us on if I'm able to, like, drill lasers into her brain. And that's really the only way I'm not going to report you up to uh, up to the Ferengi executive leadership here. Yeah, he's going to do some mad scientist shit on Luaxana. And, you know, it's like, it's it's just another, like, kind of half-hearted attempt to raise the stakes in this episode because... She's getting she's getting drilled down into by this machine. Riker breaks in and phasers the guy, and she like hops up and she's like at a hundred percent immediately. Yeah. You know, she's not like fucked up by this at all. Like they they're they're like this could destroy her mind, and you know, come on, give me a fucking break. Like we should be so lucky. <laughs> oh man, that's character cruelty. <laughs> they managed to get a signal out to the Enterprise by encoding it in the Cochrane distortion field of the warp something something. You don't say. First time I think we hear the name Cochrane, maybe? Mm-hmm. Which is interesting because that comes up in uh, First Contact. But um, the boy, Wesley Crusher, uh, recognizes it in a way that is, you know, like the Enterprise is hunting for the Ferengis by this point and... Wesley's like on his way down to board the ship that's going to take him off to to do some oral and he uh he runs back up to the bridge and he's like I got it the interference itself could be a message if I get us to a replay of the subspace scans it's static in the warp signature of the Ferengi ship and that's how we're going to find Commander Riker and it it turns out that he figured out a way to use the static to play yub yub <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, Riker's like, they've got to know this tune. <laughs> Everybody loves this. End of Return of the Jedi. It's a classic. You would never you would never do anything to replace this song cuz it's it's maybe the greatest piece of music in Star Wars. Riker's like, uh, I can't finish unless I hear the Yub Yub song. <laughs> Cues it up. 
so the Enterprise chases him down and gets him up on the FaceTime, right? The Ferengis beam Riker and, and Troy aboard, and I don't know why, but they stick around to try and pull it out for Lawaxana. I mean, <laughs> you you would think that Picard would look at this and be like, all right, two out of three is not bad, and these are like my officers. According right? to Worf, like those are way, uh, way acceptable losses. Like <laughs> one out of the three, he's like, "Yeah, let's hit the gas and get out of here." Yeah, and and let's let's be honest, the uh, the third one, a bit of a dud, <laughs> <laughs> kind of drags down every season when when she shows up in her one one contractually obligated episode. The hopes of millions of viewers ride on Picard's decision here. And unfortunately, he calls it wrong. <laughs> Picard's like, we got to get La- Loxana back, right? We got yeah. to get her back. And uh, Loxana starts, starts getting them to quarrel. She's like, uh, well, you'll have to do it over, uh, over Tog's dead body. Like, he loves me. He loves yeah. me and he's not letting me go. When will you get it through your thick head that it's over between us, Jean-Luc? That dude fucks. Yeah. Check out this guy's rad ears. You know what big ears mean. And so the trick is that, like, because of... What's the deal, dude? Is it because of, like, some Ferengi rule of acquisition or something that, like, Picard has got to really threaten Tog with something serious to get him to give her up? Yeah. And I think that the idea here is... Picard has to sell to Tog that he is crazy enough about Lawaxana that he's gonna he'll he'll actually throw some military force behind this. Like he'll he's he's willing to blow up the Ferengi ship. He if is he the man have her. who will fight for her honor. So Picard, uh, in playing the role of jealous lover, uh, begins to serenade Lwaxana with with some sweet, sweet Shakespeare. My love is a fever, longing still for that which longer nurseth the disease. Tell me more. You know, Adam, I could have sworn I'd heard this sonnet somewhere before. Yeah, I don't think so, Ben. No? Okay. No. Well, anyways, they uh, convinced Tog that he's, uh, you know, Lwaxana is not... It's not worth the ass whooping that the Enterprise is going to lay on him. If you were Tog, you would have accepted being destroyed. You would have been like, please kill me. Please <laughs> shoot all of your torpedoes at me. Yeah. End my suffering. I think Tog is just in damage control mode now because Neelix is onto what a fucking hack he is, and Picard is threatening to report him to the Ferengis as not being good at business. Yeah. That'd be real trouble. She ends up being uh, not worth the effort at this point. Right. I am the cutest of all. Lock faces on that vessel. I am the cutest of all. There are four lights. So they get her back aboard. And the episode ends with a scene where Picard calls the boy into his ready room and uh, gives him a little field commission. Yeah, he's like, uh, you've done pretty great. You basically single-handedly rescued... Riker, Troy, and that other woman. Good job, man. Uh, I know you you sort of missed the bus to school, and yeah. uh, and in light of that, you know what? I'm the captain around here. I've got the power. I have the power to give you a field commission. So check it out. Instead of being an acting ensign, full time ensign, 
with all the rewards and duties uh, there too. Yeah, and uh, this is real nice. You know, it's like a much more restrictive leather suit that Wesley's <laughs> going to be wearing. Um, you know, like it's just like like it's taking the kink to a whole nother level. Right. It's basically uh, removing all the safe words. Uh, <laughs> The introduction of some electrical stimuli, like, like pretty weird shit now. Yeah, they may even get into some blood play, like some yeah. stuff that's like really off, like off the reservation. Like Dan Savage can't even sign off on some of this stuff. Stuff you can't even find online. Yeah. Yeah, and so uh, a few moments later, Wes steps onto the bridge in a very ill-fitting uh, Federation <laughs> uniform, like. Holy shit! It he wears it like, like a hooded sweatshirt that LL Cool J would buy. Like it's it is just like baggy as fuck. Yeah, it kind of it's like the suit that a kid wears to his bar mitzvah because yeah. you know it's yeah. like uh, you might grow into this. Like like people aren't being honest about the fact that his body is going to change a lot before he's like a full grown man. So. They buy they buy him this with the idea that it's going to be a long term investment, and it really should have just been for this one occasion, you know. Yeah, it's just hanging off of him. Yeah, it's a little bit of a mess. But big little... smiles all around. Yeah, it's good to see. Good to see him in a regular uniform instead of that weird uh, that weird gray high rise sweatpants sweatshirt combo. Yeah, and and. You know, I think let's be honest, like this, this costume has run its course and I think it's been showing its age in some of the recent episodes. Like it's got a big like V-shaped notch in the back of the pants. Yeah. That, and, and the like corners of that have really been sticking out in yeah. recent episodes. It's, it's sort of looking like it's, uh, it's not long for this world. And I have to think that like, they were like, do we make another non-official Starfleet uniform for this character, or does Wes just get to go official? Yeah, I wonder if it was a production-influencing story there. Like, look, this thing is breaking down. We don't want to make another. Yeah. Why don't you promote the kid? So he retires his all-silver communicator badge. He retires his weird sweater-top sweatsuit. I would say his hair is even a little bit better. Yeah, the whole ensemble looks much better. Much, much better. Doesn't fit him as sleekly, but it suits him. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. Big smiles all around. Good feeling at the end of the episode. Wesley plots a course and they're out of there. End of episode. Ben, you got through it. (laughs) How do you feel? You all right? We've recorded a longer episode than I anticipated. I thought this was going to be like a 20-minute app. <laughs> Tell me how you're feeling right now. I'm relieved to have to have this one in the in the rear view. Give me the status of your giant tequila. It is MT. <laughs> nice. <laughs> well done. What am I going to do with an MT tequila? Uh, I don't know. Fill her up? Fill her back up, yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm happy for you. You did it. We got you through it. Yeah. Was it as bad as you thought it would be? This might be... Is it on your Mount Armus? It's on my Mount Armus for sure. I'm, so here's the, here's the problem I have. 
is there are some episodes that are so horrendously racist or otherwise just or you know misogynistic or whatever that like I can't look past yeah I feel like this is a little more misogynistic than your average you know first three season episodes Mm -hmm. but really the problem with this is the script it is a fucking garbage script and it's not a garbage script in this in the season one way or the season two way it's like they have completely reinvented garbage yeah it is it technically doesn't work on a number of levels it it assumes a stupidity in the antagonist that shouldn't exist like it's that thing where you where either a conflict is worthy of the protagonist and the effort that is required to uh, to surmount that challenge, or it's weak to the degree that it's just a joke. And to me, it was the latter of the two. Like, this was too easy, and I think we all feel dumber for seeing it. Right, like at least the Packleds episode. I mean, as flawed an episode as that is, it sort of feels like a like a conflict that like we can relate to, right? Like, like whenever you are in a situation where somebody has some power, but they are so stupid that they can't be reasoned with. Yeah. That is a genuine kind of frustration. And this is a show that can actually explore that in an interesting way. Yeah. Without, you know, like lampooning like some specific group. This episode is just like, there's no there there. It's like a stupid antagonist for the reason that whoever wrote the antagonist wasn't smart enough to make the antagonist smart. Mm-hmm. It fucking it sucks, man. Yeah, and I'm like you. I don't know if I could stick it in the Mount Armus pool because, like, there's a lot of bad coming up. I mean, it might not be the fourth worst episode we've seen, but it's definitely in the conversation. For sure. It's disappointing that you. I just thought the show was better than this at this moment in time. Yeah. Well, I don't. I don't want to like depress everyone. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah. Let's it's not. uh. Yeah. I mean, like, I think that Adam, you and I have probably had episodes that are as massive of failures as this episode was for Star Trek: The Next Generation. So let's not like completely shit on it. Like, it is not easy to make something good when you are like. Almost, they're probably like eighty episodes into the series at the no. Yeah, well, they're, they're twenty four into the into the season. I mean, yeah, so they're they're probably like seventy five episodes into the series at this point. Yeah, <laughs> like the fact that uh, that they have fallen this low is dismaying, but not completely disheartening. Judge not, lest we be judged. Yeah, we should not be throwing rocks up in this glass his house <laughs> well put ben hey ben what's that adam did you did you hear that 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 ringing noise in your I headphones bet people thought you were about to talk about drunk shimoda but you're not yet are you no that's a little bit of a head fake i'm, I'm yeah. messing around with my branding what's uh what's up well i think we're getting something in on the old uh, priority one message computer want to check it out oh yeah let's do that i love making money Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Need a supplemental income. Supplemental income. Supplemental. Supplemental. 
Yeah, it's extra. But the interest alone could be enough to buy this ship. Our first message is from Jamie Liz. I think that's uh, so how I'm going to pronounce that. And yeah, let's go with it that. Is for my favorite assemblage of star stuff. Oh. <laughs> Of all the husbands I've had, you're the first. <laughs> Thanks for surfing the discreto line with me for Ensign Doorjam, Miles AZ Brian, and the Ford Inconspicuous, for Brinner and Hot Gogs, and generally keeping me sane. Also, we made a person, and she's pretty amazing. Happy fifth anniversary, husband mine. Here's to many more. He who is my husband. <laughs> I was just going to do that joke. God damn it. Oh, well, I'm sorry. well done. Well done. Uh, yeah, I was... Uh, my favorite assemblage of star stuff. <laughs> Even though I am better than you, I am not. <laughs> You're doing that Brad Neely thing, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That, that's, oh, man. Uh, that's one of the greats. What a really nice anniversary message. Fifth anniversary. Really nice. I've not ma- yet made it to five. Yeah. It's a big one. The only thing I've made is a fart under the sheets. So. <laughs> yeah, these people made a person. That's pretty uh, That's pretty tremendous. Is the person named Hawk Gogs or Brenner? Uh, yeah, maybe. I mean, I'm not going to judge uh, a child's name. Yeah. I'm just going to hope I mean, that it's not named Brenner or Hawk Gogs. Yeah, the trends are all different these days, Adam. You know? It's true. You gotta stay with the times. Yeah, yeah. Uh, We have a second one, if I am not mistaken. I don't believe you are, Ben. Do you want to read it for us, Adam? Yeah, I could do that. Uh, Our next Priority One message is of a personal nature. It is for David Corbett from Alex. Happy birthday, Dad. Wish you were still here with us to celebrate, and we will always miss you in our hearts. Remember when the local library had every episode of TNG on VHS and we watched them all? Great times. The universe is a darker place now without you. I love you, Dad. God, that was really sweet. I know. I had kind of a hard time getting through that. That was great. Yeah, that was, uh, that's, that's a really uh, touching message, Alex, and uh, I'm, I'm glad that you chose us to help you share that uh your dad sounds like a really cool guy um i would not recommend anybody listen to this program with their with their parents in person because i feel like <laughs> that would make for some in- uncomfortable that's a moments. tough car ride i think yeah but uh but man how sweet yeah uh well, it uh, feels a little schlocky to pivot into <laughs> promoting this service, but if you'd like to, <laughs> if you'd like to uh, help support the show by buying a Priority One message, it's a hundred bucks for a personal message or two hundred for a commercial message. Just go to maximumfun.org/jumbotron and you can fill out a form. And I think it's fun for us, fun for everybody else, and uh, help support the show. Yeah. And sometimes I get a little choked up. One of the amazing things about making The Greatest Generation is getting to see all of the cool, creative stuff that the Friends of DeSoto make when we do a Code 47 episode. People send in handcrafted stuff all the time, and they send in their books, they send in 
paintings. They send in uh, crochet work. It's so cool. And uh, I want a few more of you to have websites to direct us to in those letters. I want you to put your beautiful work on display for the world so that when we get to look at it, we can tell people where to go to get a look at it themselves. And you don't have to know anything about building a website to build a website these days because you can use Squarespace. It'll look beautiful no matter what kind of device people are looking at it on. Hell, you can even sell stuff using a Squarespace website. Don't make your cool creative project captain's eyes only. Head to squarespace.com scarves for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Boy, do I love a microdose gummy from Lumi Labs. I'm, uh, I'm running low, so I'm going to head over to microdose.com pretty soon and put in another order. Microdosing is a technique I use to steer my mentals in a preferred direction several times a week. And uh, I just love it because you can really predict what is going to happen and to what degree it is going to happen because these are very low-dose cannabis gummies that uh, give you an entry-level dose that help you feel just the right amount of good. And they've been super loyal as sponsors to Greatest Trek and Greatest Gen, so I hope you will give them a try. Get 30% off your first order plus free shipping today at microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. It's available nationwide. That's microdose.com. Promo code is SCARVES for 30% off and free shipping. Microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Did you find yourself a drunk Shimoda in this episode? Incredible. Drunk Shimoda! Fuck off. <laughs> No, it was it was Shimoda-less. I would say that there is no Shimoda in this episode. This episode is not worth giving a drunk Shimoda for. That is a fucking great call. I agree with you. This will not get a Shimoda from me. The the core competency of a drunk Shimoda is the fun factor. Didn't feel yeah. like this episode had any fun in it. It was a uh, no. it was too weird. It was too bad. So 
no Shimoda's from me. No Shimoda's from you. Yeah, that is uh, that's unprecedented. I would yeah. say that the only other episode I can think of that didn't get any Shimoda's was episode one. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Wow, interesting ep, interesting pod. What do we have coming up for the next episode? The next episode is season three, episode twenty-five, Transfigurations. The Enterprise rescues a mysterious humanoid whose remarkable powers affect the entire crew. Do you remember this episode, Adam? Not one bit. I think this is another, like, Space Jesus episode, where, like, the guy turns into a being of pure light. Oh, you don't say. Yeah. Uh, that's my that's my vague recollection. You know who else turns into a being of pure light? Who? <laughs> the Dared. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, I wonder if uh, if our pal Kevin knows this guy. Oh yeah, I bet, I bet because they probably exist out of time. He's like, Mister Pure Light. <laughs> I admire. Where you've presented yourself to the Enterprise crew. I know them well. I even manufactured a series of real dolls for Commander Riker. Well, I respect the way in which you've presented yourself to my friends. I must say that if you try to elbow your way into my business, that I've worked very hard to cultivate, you will find me destroying not just you, but every one of your kind. A little a pebble in the path that I creep over from time to time, and I <laughs> would encourage you not to tempt me to do it again. It, it makes me feel terrible. It's something I'm working on very hard. <laughs> in an effort of self-betterment, <laughs> I've gone through the steps. Trying not to do any more genocide, at least for the next several thousand years. I've been going to regular genocide anonymous meetings. <laughs> Hello, my name is Kevin Experts. <laughs> Hello, Kevin. And I've committed genocide. <laughs> <laughs> I just uh. earned my four episode no genocide coin. <laughs> oh, man. The wooden nickel of genocide. <laughs> Oh man, it feels like it's been a while since we've done Kevin. Fits like yeah. an old shoe. Feels great. Yeah, I think that uh, people that have slogged through this fucking horrible episode, yeah, we had really to give them a little got, bit. Got a nice payoff there. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Speaking of payoffs, Adam. Hey, that's a, a uh, championship level pivot. Yeah, taking a page out of the mission log playbook. There are lots and lots of ways that you can help make this show keep being a show and keep getting better and the tip top way is by going to maximumfund.org slash donate and supporting our show with your donations uh, we really appreciate everybody that does that it's like patreon uh, the other options you have if uh, if you don't got the ducats right now that's totally fine you could head to itunes and leave us a review or Leave us a review wherever you have available to you. If you are on Google Play, I think that they have something maybe on there. Uh, if not that, start a blog or 
or write an article for a major media outlet about how much you like our show because that seems to really help us find new listeners. <laughs> that was a hell of a sales pitch there, Ben. <laughs> yeah, we appreciate all your stars. Thanks for those. Uh, you can also talk about us. You can also talk about the show with us on Twitter using the hashtag GreatestGen. Of course, Adam is at Cut for Time, and I am at Benjamin R A H R. And uh, we would love to goof around with you about this episode and all past episodes on Twitter. There's also a Facebook group, Facebook page, and several subreddits associated with the show. There's even baseball cards associated with the show, Ben. Yeah, that's true. Our our friend Bill Tilly is making those, and uh, every single time I see one, I'm delighted by it. He's the best. Shout out to our man Bill Tilly, BT. I think that's just about gonna do it, right? Well, we we gotta we gotta recognize uh, the music that gets played on our show. That, of course being the Picard song as our theme and interstitial music created by the one and only Dark Materia. You can find the Picard song anywhere and on every website on the internet by simply searching for uh, the Picard song and Dark Materia. Yeah, you can also uh, give a high five to Adam Ragusia, who made the song that plays during our Priority One messages. And uh, go listen to his podcast, the pub on uh, current public media it's a really terrific show about public media and uh, podcasting and uh, that dude is sharp as a tack and really gets into it in ways that I hugely admire I wouldn't listen to him if he also wasn't funny which he is he, uh, yeah. he manages to turn a podcast business show into something that's really great to listen to totally uh, well thanks for listening to us and with that, we will be back at you next time with another great episode of Star Trek The Next Generation and a remarkably powerful episode of The Greatest Generation. Huh. Sounds good. It's not going to be as bad as this one. It's all uphill from here. <laughs> it really is. I think that might have been the nadir of Greatest Gen. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.